Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. The Brooks Bandits continue their reign of terror in the Alberta Junior Hockey League as they continue to pile up win after win. There's a defenseman in the NCAA who is on pace to have one of the greatest seasons for a rear guard ever at the collegiate level. And don't look now, but the neighbors are back in Edmonton. Jake Neighbors makes his return to the Western Hockey League and will play tonight for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming, and I have an absolutely loaded show for you today. First off, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they have two locations, and they will ship it to you. Get in touch with Trent in Leduc. If you're nearby, you can stop in in Spruce Grove, but if you want it shipped to you, and then uh, talk to the folks in Leduc. They will uh, package it up. Vacuum seal it and ship it off to you if you're in Western Canada. And when it gets to you, it's going to be fresh and delicious, and it will blow your mind. Wilhawk, beefjerky.com. It's, it's W-I-L-H-A-U-K, Wilhawk, beefjerky.com. Let's get right to the news and notes. As, a, as I mentioned, a jam-packed show for you today. Five guests that you're going to hear from on the Troubled Monk Hotline. We'll get to that. In a moment, the CHL's top 10 this week, well, it's dominated by the WHL. Coming in at number one, the Winnipeg Ice once again. The London Knights are ranked number two. Kamloops has vaulted up to number three now, and the Everett Silvertips are four with the Edmonton Oil Kings at the number five spot. So four of the top five coming from the WHL. Then you've got Sherbrooke, Quebec, and Shawinigan all from the queue. Then we're back to the WHL with the Seattle Thunderbirds coming in at number nine, and uh, the 10th place team, the Sioux Greyhounds out of the OHL, so just two clubs from the OHL making the top 10 this week. The honorable mentions go to Moncton, Flint, and Ottawa. And if you're the Saskatoon Blades, maybe you're feeling a little slighted by the top 10 here. We'll get to the WHL notes in a second. One more on the entire CHL. The broadcast schedule for CBC is out for uh, November and December. Six more games to come your way. Something called Gem. I'm not sure. I don't know what Gem TV is or Gem CBC Gem, uh, I'm guessing it's their streaming package. I don't know. I'm sorry, I haven't heard of it. Uh, but the Acadie Bathurst, Teton, and the Moncton Wildcats will be next weekend, followed by Regina in Medicine Hat. Sudbury goes to the Sioux Greyhounds. 
Charlottetown will host Drummondville. Saskatoon will be in Moose Jaw. And uh, right after Christmas and before New Year's, the Flint Firebirds hosting the Saginaw Spirit, an All-American clash on CBC Jam. Let's get to the WHL. And uh, first thing I wanted to point out in the uh, scoring race, it's uh, tied at the top between Tristan Robbins of the Saskatoon Blades and Matthew Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice. The, the league's website still has uh, Savoy listed as a rookie. We talked about that last week. He's not because he played 22 games in his uh, first year in the WHL. And even guys like Zach Benson, who played more than 20 games last year, no longer considered rookies, despite what the league's website says. But a pretty good race atop uh, with Robbins and Savoy, both with 25 points. Mikey Milne, also of the Winnipeg Ice, with 24 points. And right behind him is Connor McLennan, also from the Ice. Kyle Krenkovic from the Saskatoon Blades, coming in in the fifth spot with 21 points. Josh Piller from Kamloops tied with him. But you've got three Winnipeg players, two Saskatoon players in the top five. Now you might be wondering, where's Connor Bedard in this as the exceptional status player? Well, he has not had the start to the season that most people uh, would have predicted. Six goals, four assists for 10 points in 14 games. He's also a dash seven. Where does that put him in terms of uh, league scoring? He's not in the top 50. In fact, he's 68th right now. Going into this weekend's action, the Pats are at home tonight to the Edmonton Oil Kings, who at the start I mentioned, Jake Neighbors has been sent back to the Oil Kings. I am told he will dress for the Oil Kings tonight. So uh, happy times for the Oil Kings. And you just hope that uh, Jake comes back uh, accepting the situation and that um, he, he's not going to be, you know, we've seen it over the years. Some players have really struggled to get reacclimated and kind of get their head around being back in junior after starting the year in the NHL. I don't think anybody would blame a guy for that. I think everybody realizes the situation. Uh, but long term, the Blues feel it's better for him to play another year of junior for a team that is, you know, I think everybody would consider them to be a Memorial Cup contender. They've been in the CHL top 10 all year. A lot of that ranked number one. Jake Neighbors' return might vault them back into that position sooner as opposed to later. So we'll see how Jake reacclimates himself to the Western Hockey League starting tonight. Moving quickly, let's go to the OHL and the uh, Guelph Storm. Picked up Sasha Pastajov in the offseason, played for the uh, U.S. Development Program last year and was supposed to be headed to uh, Notre Dame to play for the Fighting Irish, but uh, veered north, ended up in Guelph in the Ontario Hockey League. Well, he's now leading the league in scoring with 25 points. Rory Cairns and Ty Cardi are, are next with 23 and 21, respectively, both members of the Sioux Greyhounds, Tucker Robertson and Brandon Coe, also with 21 points to round out the top five. Brett Brochu of the London Knights, the top goaltender in the Ontario Hockey League, not surprised because the London Knights still... Uh, the uh, best record in the OHL. Traveling east, it's uh, Xavier Borgo who leads the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in scoring, also with 25 points. So the leaders in each three of uh, the CHL leagues, all with 25 points. Uh, Joshua Roy from Sherbrooke has 24, followed by William Dufour of the St. John Sea Dogs, Acadie Bathurst, Teton Ford, Riley Kidney, and Xavier Simino of the Charlottetown Islanders, all with 23 points. So close races in all three leagues. That's awesome to see. I mentioned those Brooks Bandits. Well, they are the number one ranked team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League. They have won 18 straight contests in, in the AJHL. Their goals for and against uh, record is ridiculous. They are a plus 108 through 20 games. They have scored 108 goals more than they have given up. That's 
141 goals for, 33 against. That's crazy. They have a 10-point cushion already on second-place Camrose with a Drumheller not far behind the Kodiaks. But in the uh, Viterra AJHL North Division, it's the Spruce Grove Saints who are the red-hot team. They've won 10 straight. The Saints have a tough test tonight as they welcome the Okotoks Oilers. That's always a good game. Uh, league leader in scoring right now, and no surprise, Ryan McAllister of the Brooks Bandits. And you you won't be shocked to find out that uh, the top four leading scorers in the AJHL all from the Brooks Bandits. Uh, Noah Hackett, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, he plays for the Olds Grizzlies. And when he was on, we were talking about how he doesn't have an NCAA commitment yet. Well, that changed this week as uh, he has been recruited and will play for the Purple Eagles of Niagara starting next season. So uh, awesome for Noah Hackett. South of the border, it's the USHL, and uh, the top scorer in that league is Jackson Blake from the Chi- uh, Chicago, I was almost said Chicutami, from the Chicago Steel. He has uh, 21 points. But right behind him is uh, Stephen Halliday and Connor Kurth, both from Dubuque. They have uh, 19 and 17 points, respectively. Halliday's an interesting player. He's a guy who came into the league with a lot of buzz. Big guy, six foot four, and didn't get drafted. Uh, last year or in his first draft year. But having a heck of a season this year uh, for the Fighting Saints. And let's be honest, he didn't have a bad year a season ago either. 48 points in 52 games, but probably didn't have the season a lot of people expected. He's going to go to Ohio State University, and I would think that would be uh, starting next season. But you wonder, as we've talked many times uh, already this season, about uh, how I expect more 19-year-olds to be drafted in 2022 than probably we've ever seen. Uh, Maybe Stephen Halliday is one of those guys. We'll see. As for the standings in the United States Hockey League, uh, not much has changed at the top. It's the Chicago Steel with 23 points, followed closely by the Madison Capitals and the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Then there's a bit of a a, a gap uh, down to Youngstown and Green Bay. That's in the Eastern Conference. And in the West, it's a little tighter. Uh, Tri-City, one point ahead of Lincoln, who are two points ahead of both Sioux City and the Waterloo Blackhawks. So a much closer race in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, in the North American Hockey League, we had uh, the head coach from Maryland on the show last week. Well, his team continues to play well. They're now 4-0-0-1 in their last five, and they sit atop the East Division. But it is uh, the team right behind them, the New Jersey Titans, who have now the two top scorers in the league, and Tommy Bannister and Brendan Dumas. Uh, Ryan Bottrell of Maryland is actually tied with Dumas. They have 26 points, but it's Tommy Bannister who has 28 taken over top spot in the North American Hockey League scoring race. When you go to the NCAA update, Owen Power is the defenseman that I was mentioning at the start of the uh, program today when I said there's a college defenseman having a uh, what would be a ridiculous season. He's on pace to set like I think it's the best year in 30 seasons for a defenseman. He's got 15 points in 11 games. That's 1.36 points per game. We haven't seen that in a very, very long time. Taylor Ward, who is Canadian, plays for the Omaha Mavericks. He is uh, leading the NCAA in scoring right now, and uh, that's a that's a guy that uh, I should get on the show here fairly soon. Hey, how about today? I'll tell you about the guest list here in a minute. But a quick check of the... Division I men's poll at USCHO has the St. Cloud State Huskies with 42 first-place votes. They are the number one-ranked team in the country. The Michigan Wolverines, who were in action last night and uh, thumped Penn State by a score of 5-1. to 
They are ranked number two as some of their uh, big guns who were a little quiet earlier in the year. Kent Johnson, Owen Power, Matty Beniers. Uh, they have uh, definitely caught fire. And at the same time, Brendan Brisson, who was really hot to start the year, I think he had 10 points in his first six games. Well, he's only got a goal and an assist in his last five. So he's cooled off, but the uh, the other guys for Michigan have started to find their groove. Well, Michigan is ranked number two. Minnesota State is ranked number three, followed by Minnesota Duluth. The Bulldogs are now number four. Quinnipiac is five. The Minnesota Golden Gophers come in at six. North Dakota moves up one spot to number seven, followed by Massachusetts, Western Michigan, and Harvard. Even though they received two first-place votes, Harvard comes in number 10 on the ranking. Then you've got Omaha, who actually plays St. Cloud State this weekend, so that's a, a big game for both of those clubs. Providence at 12, Cornell, Denver, Notre Dame, Boston College, Northeastern, Ohio State, Penn State, and the UMass Lowell Riverhawks are the number 20-ranked club. Pro Stock Hockey has new skates from the Detroit Red Wings and the Washington Capitals. New skates right from the manufacturer as well, Bauer, CCM, and True. Go to ProStockHockey.com to check those out. And recently they added uh, sticks from the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. So if you're uh, a fan of getting some uh, Pro Stock equipment, well then Pro Stock Hockey is the place for you. Now all of my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Troubled Monk is based in Red Deer. They have the uh, glorious tap room and, of course, the program here offering you a way to get free home delivery if you live in Alberta between Calgary and St. Albert. All you do is go to troubledmonk.com shop, and when you place your order there, you use promo code PIPELINE, just the one word, PIPELINE, and you will get that delivery right to your door, absolutely no charge, where you can get the Rebels Red Ale right now. Get it before it's gone. It's one of my favorites, and I haven't had some uh, since last season. So it's uh, it's been a while. i got to get my order in ASAP. Troubledmonk.com slash shop, promo code PIPELINE. The guest list today. We're going to begin with a 2022 draft spotlight, and for this one, we're headed to Sweden. Simon Forsmark plays for Orbro in the uh, both the Swedish Hockey League and the uh, Under-20 League. Well, he's having a terrific season, and he is one of the top-ranked players out of Sweden. So that's where we will begin this week's show. From there, we're going to have a U Sports update segment. And Liam Howell, formerly in the OHL, he played for three teams, the Sioux Greyhounds, the Guelph Storm, and ended it with the Kitchener Rangers. Well, now he is in St. FX by playing in AUS Hockey, the East Coast Conference of uh, U Sports, but he leads the entire country in scoring right now. Liam Howell uh, from the St. FX X-Men will join me. Then we turn the 2022 draft spotlight back on. We head to Moose Jaw. This time, it's Jagger Furkus, an undersized forward, but he is putting up big numbers for the Moose Jaw Warriors this year. An exciting player, and, uh, you know, scouts are all over that team, as it's not just him, but Denton Matejchuk and a lot of people watching for next year as well with uh, Braden Jagger. So Jagger Furkus getting a lot of looks right now uh, by the scouting community. He's in the draft spotlight. From there, we just head slightly east to Regina, and the host of the Rod Peterson show, his name is Rod Peterson. If you're a Saskatchewan, he's basically the, the Howard Stern. He's the king of media in Saskatchewan. Well, he's going to be on the show. We're going to talk a lot about the Regina Pats and about Connor Bedard, what this season means for the Pats, considering next season probably, well, it almost definitely, is Bedard's final season in the WHL. How much pressure is there on the team to 
not maybe not win this year, but get to the playoffs and get some playoff success and experience to set up for next year when they hope to go on a championship run with Connor Medard before he's done in the WHL. We talked about that. Also about attendance in the WHL. So that's a hot topic around the league right now. And then we will finalize the show. We will wrap it all up with a NCAA campus report. Taylor Ward, who I mentioned a little earlier, plays for the Omaha Mavericks and is leading college hockey, Division I college hockey. He's the top scorer right now, happens to be Canadian. Perfect time to get Taylor Ward on the show. So we've got an absolutely loaded broadcast for you. We will start by heading to Sweden. Simon Forsmark, let's turn on the 2022 draft spotlight and get to know him next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, it's Norris Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und gemacht sein erstes Deal-Tor. 5-1, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a lot of character. Bud, tell us about it. The Pesky Pig Pale Ale. Named after the little piggy that never went to the market, this super approachable pale ale has all kinds of citrus flavors, including huge grapefruit note. Player comparable, Matthew Kachuk. Always in the mix, and no matter what, you'd rather him on your team. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. That's Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program is brought to you by our title sponsor, that is Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations in the province here, in Leduc and Spruce Grove. But if you're in Western Canada, you can contact the location in Leduc and have any order, any size shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada. Vacuum sealed, fresh, ready to go. And it's the best beef jerky you've ever had. We're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight in this segment and talk to another player who is eligible for the NHL draft in 2022. And uh, my next guest coming to us from Sweden, plays for Orbro in the the J20 League right now, Uh, but he's played in the SHL as well. Uh, Simon Forsmark, welcome to the program. Simon, how are you? I'm good. Well, it's great to uh, talk with you right now. At what point in the season are you now? I know you've played a number of games. Are you maybe a third of the way through the season? Uh, yeah, I think so. We have played soon enough, maybe more than a half. Almost, uh, okay, so a little bit more than half. How many games do you play in a full year? Uh, in J20, we have like, oh, what is it, maybe 15, 50 games. 50 games, all right. So you've played 19 right now, but maybe the team has played more. I'm not sure, because uh, I know you've played a little in the SHL yeah. as well this year. Yeah. How are things going for, for the team? Uh, I think we have started pretty good. Uh, we are on the second spot right now, but I think we play really well. Uh, we have come together to, as a team and we yeah, we play really good. And for you on a personal level, Simon, uh, you, you have 21 points in 19 games playing on the, uh, the, the under-20 team. Uh, those are really impressive numbers. A defenseman, you don't usually expect to be 
uh, you know, a point per game player. Yeah. But yeah. that's what you're yeah. doing right now. How have things gone for you, just as a, a an individual? It's just uh, been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> as you say, I'm not the guy that uh, do the most points, but to this year I have had a, a pretty good uh, year. Uh, I have played uh, like most in the team and uh, play special teams and all of that. So that's pretty good. Well, and you've been on this team for the last three years. So after that long, you probably expect, I mean, you're probably a leader. Uh, I don't know if you're yeah. the, the captain or anything like that, but you've been there for a long time. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised at this many points. Or does it surprise you? Maybe a little, but fine. Uh, like, I know I have the offense game too, so I don't, it's too much surprise. I know I can do points and so. Well, you have three goals and 18 assists, so most of your points are by passing the puck. Yeah. Are you starting the play from your own end, or is this a lot of, you know, you're the guy who sets up the, the player to, to score the goal? How do you describe the way that you play? Good pass, first pass from the D zone, so may, maybe like a yeah, second or sixth, uh, like I pass it up and then right. one pass and then score, or... Maybe the most of the point is from the power play. Okay. Uh, Simon Forsmark is my guest. He's a defenseman with Orbro in the uh, J20 League right now in Sweden, but has also played for Orbro uh, at the SHL level as well. Uh, Simon, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody who's your age and draft eligible. Uh, but there'll be a lot of people over here that are listening to this that might not know you that well. So, uh, for those people, let's get some background, if you don't mind, and, and learn more about you. Uh, where are you from in Sweden? I am from Örebro. Uh, maybe a little smaller uh, town outside Örebro. Uh, but I'm there from Örebro, can you say. Uh, have you always been a defenseman? Uh, not really. <laughs> I uh, When I play uh, in my hometown, I was center before and then... Uh, a guy that I, I have played with in maybe seven years mm-hmm. was better than me. So <laughs> he was defenseman and we need to do score goals. And then we shift place. And from that, I have been a defenseman. So he was the defenseman and you were the center and then you switched? Yep. <laughs> Did it work out for both of you? Yeah, it's pretty good. We Both of us are playing with SHL sometimes. So. Uh, and who was that player? Milton Oskarsson. Okay. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? I know Sweden's a lot like Canada, where hockey is extremely popular. It's Yeah. Is football maybe uh, like soccer? Is that still the number one sport, or would you say hockey is number one? I should say uh, soccer. Yeah. Uh, I played soccer for uh, for most of my young age, so I didn't play hockey so early, but maybe I start when I was, you say, 10, 11, sometimes then. You didn't start playing hockey until you were 10 or 11? Uh, I have a skate, uh, like a skate so and so with my dad, but not playing in a team for, before 10, I think. Wow. that That's yeah. that's amazing to me that you've only been playing for seven or eight years and you're this good. That's really impressive. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, um, all right. So uh, for, for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play, uh, we can just look and see the the you know what your stats are like, but maybe the numbers don't 
tell us the whole picture. So how do you describe yourself as a player? For somebody who has never watched you play, what should we expect to see from you on a regular, you know, in a regular game? Uh, you will see uh, good passes and good defense, uh, good, good defensive. And also, I like to have the puck much, so I try to like uh, play the puck and follow up and then get it back. That's <laughs> much of my game, defensive, play the puck, follow up, and try to make chances offense too. The the website I'm looking at lists you at uh, 187 centimeters and 88 kilograms. Uh, how close yep. to up to date is that? Is that still accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Maybe I have been a little taller, but the weight is uh, the still. All right. So if you're a little taller, it's not a whole bunch more taller. It's, it's you know. no like yeah, 189 maybe. Okay. So uh, for us in North America, that's six two, maybe a little bit more than six foot two. About 195 yeah. pounds. Okay. Do you think you're done growing? Are, are, do you think uh, you'll still get taller, or are you done growing taller? I think yeah, I'm pretty done. Maybe one, one or two centimeters too, but not much. Uh, Simon Forsmark is my guest. who plays uh, for uh, Orbro in uh, in Sweden. Uh, now you've played between the two teams uh, at with the the J20 team as well as the SHL team. How big of a jump up is that for you? When you when you go from the the U twenty squad to playing it with the men, it's pretty big jump, I say. Uh, it's like it's uh, it's going much faster, and they're strong, bigger. Uh, it's like more what you say, like uh, all the players have their role more, mm-hmm. and like like they play their role in the team, and it's more more you have a role like either if your offense or your defense. And you play more like that. So that's the big difference. But other than that, it's the speed and uh, the strong. Do you have to change the way that you play uh, compared to when you're playing with the, the, the players who are your same age with the, the J20 team? Because there you're, you're counted on for points. But when you're playing with the men, do you just try to focus on not getting scored on, play defense? <laughs> Maybe a little, but I I think I have the like the same play in the uh, juniors than I have in the uh SHL okay like i have i have a, like uh, first pass follow up and try to make offense too but of course it's pretty hard but i try uh, like uh, play the same so well i i imagine you play a lot less too uh, young guys like uh, your age playing in the SHL i'm told you don't get a lot of ice time is that true yeah i yeah. have like most of the time pretty pretty decent but uh, not so much it's like maybe five to seven minutes yeah it's it's hard to make a big contribution in a game when you don't play that much yeah i know a couple of years ago you were named the most valuable player in the tv puckin uh, tournament i'm unfamiliar with that tournament uh, what is that uh, all about and obviously uh, you had a great tournament that year yeah it's like uh, we have 25 districts in sweden and that's East district uh, uh, take all. Yeah, they take out the place they want to be with it, right. and then we play against each other. And it's uh, for the what, what are we? 15 years old then, and it's on TV in Sweden. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's a really popular tournament. <laughs> Many people is watching it. 
All right. So to win, to be named the MVP, that's pretty cool. That's that must have made you feel pretty special. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, before that, I didn't didn't know a lot. Like I didn't play hockey so much before that, really. So right. when that came, I was like, "Fuck, this is that I won." Uh, that still amazes me that you're so young when you started playing. But ten points in eleven games uh, that year. I know you'd played in it the year before as well, but. Um, that's exceptional. Uh, you also got to play in the World U18 last year. That was down in Texas, correct? Yeah. What was that experience like for you? It was really cool. Uh, I mean, we have a bad start, but it was went uh, pretty good, and we take uh, bronze. Yeah. Like, that's that's the biggest thing I have won. So that's pretty cool. Well, uh, Sweden had a pretty good tournament, except in the two games against Canada, which you know I, you're speaking largely to a Canadian audience here, I'm sure, but. Uh, you know, <laughs> your team played very well, except those two games against Canada, two very big losses. Yeah. What went wrong against uh, Team Canada? Uh, they are a pretty good team, but I think maybe we have a little too much respect for them, and we're looking at them in, uh, instead of playing against them. I see. Now, while you were in Texas, did you have a chance to go out and have uh, some authentic uh, Mexican food or something like tacos? I, I'm told you're a big fan of tacos. So did you get to uh, have some North American tacos? Uh, yeah, we have it on the hotel, but we didn't uh, can go out before the COVID. All right. But we have uh, like two days there we get tacos. Is that something that's popular in Sweden? I, I I wouldn't have thought you'd have things like uh, you know restaurants here like Taco Bell. I don't know. Do you have Taco Bell in Sweden? Uh, not Taco Bell, but it's uh, it's uh, some restaurants that have tacos. Okay. And it's a it's a it's a pretty uh, normal food in Sweden. Many many families I know eat it often. Well, I'm learning something new. Uh, let's talk about the yeah. draft, uh, the the NHL draft in 2022. Uh, a lot of people are ex- uh, putting you as a you know a potential first round pick uh, in the draft this year. Do you spend much time thinking about the draft, or or are you one of those players who doesn't want to think about the draft because it could be a distraction? Uh, I don't think uh, much much at all. It seems I feel it like uh, maybe. Unreal. So I don't really understand what is going on. Like, <laughs> so I don't think much of it. I, I like, I like just uh, take day for day and play hockey for fun. Uh, you know, I've talked to some other players uh, from Sweden. It's it really interesting because the Swedish hockey league is a really, really good league, and you can stay home and and make a good living uh, playing comfortably in your homeland. Uh, but a lot of players. They dream about playing in the NHL. How do you feel about that? Like, is the NHL something that you dr- dream or have dreamt about playing in as a kid? You're late coming to hockey, yeah. so was it something that you grew up wanting to do? Yeah, but not for the first couple of years. But now, more when I come uh, closer, it's uh, yeah, it's a dream to play there and uh, have a life. Uh, Can I ask why? Why it's important to you? Because you could stay home and be comfortable and 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 still play hockey. What what is it about the NHL that uh, has you excited? Because it's the best player, and I want to be one of the best best player and play the best hockey. So I think it's that. Uh, do you have a favorite NHL team? I know it'll change whichever team drafts you. That'll become your favorite team, obviously. <laughs> uh, but right now, or you know, over the last few years, has there been one? One team in particular in the NHL that uh, that you've started to like? 
No, not really. I I just like to watch all the team, uh, like most of them with Swedish guys. Well, there are a lot of Swedes playing in the NHL right now, and a lot of uh, a lot of them are young guys. Detroit's got young Swedes, yeah. and Vancouver and San Jose. Well, William Eklund, I think, just got sent back to Sweden, but there there's yeah. a lot of talent over here. Guys that you may have played with uh, at younger ages. To know that you're that close to being one of those guys in the NHL, that's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. It's uh, like I don't really understand. It's so close, but <laughs> it is close. So. <laughs> uh, now you have an older brother. Your your older brother Philip, he's a couple of years older than you, right? He's he's twenty. Yeah. How often have you been able to play on the same team as him? Growing up, I have an older brother, but there's four years difference between us, so we never got to play together uh, as kids. But I have to think it's it's a lot of fun if you get that chance. Yeah, like uh, that was he that made me show uh, hockey before soccer. So ah. I have always been like uh, seeing up to him and play with him has been really fun. When I was a kid, I always wanted to do what, what my older brother was doing too. So it sounds like you followed your yeah. brother to, into hockey. That's really interesting. Now, is he a defenseman as well or was he a forward? Yeah, he's a defenseman. Okay. Was that part of, you know, when you made that change from being the forward to the defenseman, did you think to yourself, well, if Philip can do it, I can too? <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. Uh, I don't really think so much about it then, but yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, uh, Simone, I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this year with Orbro, and uh, uh, maybe we'll see you sooner as opposed to later uh, playing over here in North America with uh, the NHL. Uh, thank you for your time. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Simon Forsmark, one of the uh, top-ranked uh, players out of Sweden for the 2022 NHL draft. We're going to turn off the uh, the draft spotlight for a moment. We'll turn it on again after our next segment. But uh, up next, we're going to have a U Sports update. And uh, he might not get drafted this year. Well, he's too old to get drafted, but free agent. And I guarantee you that there's going to be teams who have their eye on this guy right now because he is lighting it up at the U Sport level as a rookie. His name is Liam Howell. After five years playing in the Ontario Hockey League, played a little bit in the American Hockey League last year, and is now destroying it with the St. FX X-Men. Let's get to know Liam Howell next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Oscar Strom's draw, looking back to break it, fires and scores! There's number 50 on the season for Alex Dabrinkit. They'll pick up that puck. It was wired. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Look, guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. 
I'm not your friend, Gad. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to have a U Sports update, but of course, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That is the best beef jerky in Alberta. And if you're in Western Canada, you don't have to drive all the way to Alberta. Just get in contact with Trent at their Leduc location. And uh, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. My next guest happens to be the leading scorer in U-Sports hockey right now. So perfect timing to welcome Liam Howell from the St. FX X-Men. Liam, welcome to the program. How are things? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today, and it looks like, at least on paper, everything seems to be going right for you and for the X-Men. Uh, tell me about this success in the early season. I think uh, just just the makeup of our team has been really complimentary all through all four lines, kind of bring something different to the table. And uh, obviously, a lot of the guys on the team are haven't actually played a game in U-Sports yet. I mean, they had a lot of new recruits last year, but with COVID, uh, they didn't really have any of a season last year. So I think just a lot of guys are, were excited to kind of get back on the ice and play some games. And, uh, the team, obviously, like you said, we've been clicking real well and we're right at the top of the standings right now. Well, it seems like it's a, a bit of a, a two horse race in uh, the AUS standings right now between yourselves and the UNB varsity reds out of the university of new Brunswick. Is that how you see it as well? That the two of you are Head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the standings it looks that way, but I think in this league there's no easy nights really. Every team kind of gives a challenge, and there's not too many nights where it's it's much of a cakewalk really. So every night you kind of have to come to play. Or like even one of our losses this year is to the last place team, Moncton, who's who can obviously showed you can lose on any given night if you don't come to play. So although the standings may look like it's a bit of a a bit of an edge there for us, it's I mean, we have to come to play every night, or obviously you can't you can't win every night just by a skill alone. You got to come and work hard. So um, every night's a battle, and every team's kind of giving us a tough time. We just happen to play a little bit better and win those games. Yeah, you lost that game four uh, two, but then you came back the next night and uh, thumped them four nothing. So I don't <laughs> know. Maybe it seems like it was a bit of a motivator for you guys or something. I know you have Dalhousie this weekend. How are they playing right now? They've been real good. Uh, they they surprised a lot of people, I think. I don't know. I think someone said it was like their best start in however many years. But uh, com- coming into the season, I don't know if they're expected to be as good as they are. But I think they're actually in third right now, and they're playing some real good hockey. So uh, we play them tonight, and they, uh, they're they going to give us a challenge for sure. So we got to be ready. Yeah, I said that game uh, is uh, this weekend, but it's actually – Tonight, Liam Howell is my guest, plays for the St. FX X-Men and uh, leads U-Sport in scoring right now. And maybe, Liam, let's start there with uh, how well you're playing early on and as a rookie this year, if that surprises you, or to what do you attribute this uh, early season success for you? Yeah, I think, obviously, uh, having a pretty good start myself, but I think it just comes with the whole team as a whole. Just uh, I play a pretty nice role on the team, and uh, I'm expected to kind of produce points and play off, play good offense. And uh, I mean, just with the team and the people I play with, I think it's it's been nice to they help me create chances, and I'm just doing my best to kind of finish those chances or set guys up. So uh, it's kind of a team as a whole that I mean helps me out and gets make helps me produce offense. So, uh, but obviously, it's been a great start for me and the team. So we hope to keep that going. Generally speaking, the newcomers to a team have to work their way into the lineup, maybe carve out a niche for themselves or something so that they get that opportunity to play every night. 
But going back to what you said about, you know, coming off a, a COVID year, every there's so many first-year players now at the U Sport level on your team. Does that change things a little bit for you in, in that dynamic that you're getting opportunities this year that you might not in a normal year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a younger guy, if you go to a new team, it's a lot of older guys. Generally, the older guys are going to be playing a lot more, especially at the start of the season. But I think if our forward core, I think only two guys, I think, have played U-Sports games. So coming to the season, it was kind of uh, it was up for the grabs to see who was going to play a lot. And I'm pretty fortunate to play the role I do on this team. And I'm just fortunate. I'm, I'm happy that I can produce the way I am and help this team win some games. Liam Howell from the St. FX X-Men is my guest as we're uh, chatting a little U-Sports. We're also going to look back at uh, your OHL career a bit as well, uh, Liam, because I know you played for three different clubs in uh, the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, so many of your current teammates are guys that you maybe played with or against uh, back in your OHL days as well. And in fact, when you look across AUS and and U-Sport as a whole, so many former CHL guys using their scholarship packages, I wonder, does that make it a a comfortable landing spot for you when you go out to St. FX and you know there are a lot of guys in the league who who are basically coming from the same place that you were uh, being a former CHL guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, the AUS is a great league. and I mean, the CHL is probably the best league in the world for junior, but uh, we, I think coming here, I, I saw the rosters of all the teams, and when it was time to pick, I think St. FX, I just saw all the guys coming from the CHL and good CHL teams. And I mean, I, the big thing I noticed when I came to this team is I don't think there's one player that sticks out as any sort of weakness. I think our whole team is very solid and uh, I think our coach is comfortable with anyone going out on the ice at any given time in the game. So um, I think this team's made up super well and obviously going into a deep run, hopefully I think we have a great roster that can do some big things. So, Going back to your question, I think, yeah, it is super comfortable knowing a lot of guys came from the same spot as I did. And uh, CHL kind of prepares you for, if not pro hockey, just hard hockey and what it takes to win and kind of stuff like that. So um, this, this team, like I said, really built well. And I mean, every team in this league is, has a lot of good players. And I think at least people I know, when we were choosing schools and stuff, the AUS is kind of a league that we all talked about and in terms of being the most competitive. So uh, it's a really tough league, and uh, it's it's shown that in the first 11 games we've played, every game's a battle. Well, we know that the programs in the AUS Conference recruit heavily from across Canada when it comes to uh, former CHL players. Lots of guys uh, from uh, the OHL and the WHL end up uh, playing out east. Uh, out here, Canada West, mostly WHL guys, but a sprinkling of uh, yeah. OHL and maybe a couple of uh, Q guys as well. I'm curious to what it was about playing in Annie Ganesh that was the key for you. Like, what was it specifically about playing for St. FX? I don't know if you had a connection to the town or the program or anything like that, but why did becoming an X-Men feel like the right fit for you? Yeah, it was a, it was a long, honestly, a long decision when I, uh, when I decided that school would be the route I was going. Uh, originally, I was obviously hoping to perhaps continue my pro career, but um certain things happen that uh, I shifted towards the school route and I think it was in the beginning of my selection process I think there was a few teams that I was kind of looking at and when St. FX well St. FX actually reached out to me my overage year in the OHL and 
I mean, I thought great things about them back then. And then going into this summer, I, I kind of, I had to start kind of looking at schools as a potential option. And once I got really serious about it, I think just the first talks I had with St. FX opposed to the other schools I talked to, I just, in, the, in my gut, I kind of always felt like St. FX might be the spot I want to go. And in my personal experience, I really, I kind of dragged out this selection process a little longer than I probably should have, but I just wanted to make the right choice. But uh, talking with my parents and agent and stuff like that, I kind of always, every time I was about to make a decision, I just always kind of felt like if I didn't go to St. FX, I'd be missing out on something. And it always just felt like the comfortable decision. I didn't really have any real connections to the town or anything like that. I had like one or two buddies on the team, but I had a few buddies on a few of the teams I was talking to. So that didn't really factor in as, as much, but I think just talking with the coach Brad Peddle and Zach McQueen and just the whole layout of the school and kind of, like I said earlier, the, the makeup of the team is a lot of young guys that are going to be together for a while. So uh, all those factors kind of played into just St. FX feeling like the right choice for me, to be honest. Well, I don't know if you were a comic book kid growing up or anything like that, but uh, it sounds a lot cooler to say uh, that you're one of the X-Men than, you know, if you're a, a Varsity Red or, you know, a, <laughs> yeah. one of the Tommies or something like that. Yeah, I know. It's a pretty unique name. And obviously, the X is very symbolic of our school, obviously. So uh, X-Men's a cool name. And obviously, just another point is just the whole... St. FX is a pretty prestigious school and getting out of that X ring, I think is people say it's one of the most noticeable rings in the world. So uh, to get a degree from this awesome school and also be able to play on a great team and a great hockey program is a, is a bonus as well. Liam, when you look back at your time in the Ontario hockey league, is there something that immediately stands out for you, whether it's a season or a, a single game or something like that career moments? Uh, what, uh, what immediately comes to mind for you? Well, I think the, the easy, easy choice for that is, as our, our Guelph team in my fourth year, we won the OHL championship and we won it in a pretty, pretty unique way. I, I don't know if you followed it all, but uh, we went well for our first round. We, we, we swept Kitchener and then it kind of got interesting from there. In our in our second round, we went down in the playoffs three, nothing to the London Knights. And then we ended up actually coming back and winning four straight to beat them who are, who are a really good team. And then in the third round, we played Saginaw who's another strong team. Went down 3-1 to them, came back and won. And in the finals, we were playing the 67s, who were the number one, number one ranked team in the in the country, who hadn't lost a playoff game the entire playoff so far until they went up 2-0 on us. And then we ended up winning four straight against them to, to win the championship in a, in a pretty wild ride. So that, that year is definitely the highlight of my hockey career so far, is, is winning the championship with your best friends and something I'll never forget. Uh, you started with the Sioux Greyhounds uh, in the OHL, and uh, you were there for, what, about a, a season and a half with the Greyhounds? Yeah, played my 16-year-old year there, and then at the trade deadline in my second year, got traded to Guelph. Obviously worked out well for you with the Guelph Storm, but take me back to the time of that initial trade from the Sioux uh, to Guelph. What was your reaction then? It can be difficult to get traded. Yeah, it was. I was on a Sioux Greyhounds team that was pretty old and they were kind of contending for a playoff run and I was a younger guy that I was, it was in my draft year as well and I was I was hoping to get a little more ice time than I was on the Sioux and it was just a tough situation with so many good players and drafted players that, that also needed ice time so when I heard uh, that I was potential I was potential for a trade I, I kind of I was sad for sure to leave the Sioux where I started my junior career and I 
met my first billet family and stuff like that. But uh, when I heard Guelph was interested, they were a super young team, and uh, I knew maybe it, it'd be a spot where I I kind of get some a lot more ice time and be a team I'd grow with for years to come. And so, like I said, it was a sad time to leave, but I was also excited to to finally get a role with the team where I was consistently getting ice time and chance to produce. You had a massive year that in your 19-year-old season with Guelph, the the year you went to the playoffs and and uh, won the championship. Was it, you know, a combination of the team coming together right at that right moment and, and you and your own personal development that uh, everything was just firing on all cylinders for you that year? Yeah, no, I think for our Guelph team, like I said, when I got traded there, I think Guelph was the uh, the year before I got traded there, they were the last place team in, in the OHL. And then when I got traded there, we were like a bottom. We didn't make playoffs again. So it was a tough few years for Guelph. And then the third year, we, we started to pick it up a little as we got older. We made playoffs, but still lost the first round. And then that fourth year, I think, is kind of what the team was built for. Like, all those young 99 pieces, and uh, it was kind of for that year, all of our last year. And obviously, we we had a bit of a history of, of growth and struggling. And then that fourth year, we just kind of took off. And myself included, I had almost double the points I've had in any other year. And uh, I think a lot of guys obviously had a had a big years that year and it contributed into our team winning the whole thing. So uh, it was nice to kind of have a change from being a team that a younger team losing majority of nights to expecting to win every game kind of thing. And then to cap off your OHL career as a, an overage player, you end up with the Kitchener Rangers. And I know that year you would have been focused on trying to earn a, a professional contract and, and get some opportunities for after the OHL. But uh, what was that final season like with Kitchener? It was unbelievable. Kitchener's uh, as first class of an organization as you can get. I think you're playing in front of seven, 8,000 fans a night. Uh, there's no nights where the crowd isn't full and loud. I think uh, Kitchener's a pretty historic franchise as well. And, uh, obviously playing for Guelph for three years and we played Kitchener back to back years in playoffs. It was pretty huge rivalry. And I mean, when I heard he was going to Kitchener, it was a, a little bit awkward at first. I think I battled with about every guy on the team I got traded to for three years straight. So, uh, we made up quick and it was fun, honestly, Guelph and Kitchener and Sue as well, but Sue was a little younger and didn't do as much for them, but, uh, Kitchener was great. I think, we had a bit of a weird year. I think we, we went into the year expecting to be one of the top teams in the league, and we had a pretty slow start. I think in the first 10 games, we were last in our division. And then uh, we made some changes, and then we ended up uh, – we won one game in a shootout, and from that game on, we uh, I think we went like, I want to say 20-2 and two or something, and something wild like that, some stretch of games where – and we ended up going from last in our division to first. And then from there on, we were a top team in the league. And unfortunately, that year is the year COVID hit. And uh, kind of what could have been kind of situation. Like we thought we were the team that could have won the whole thing. So it was an unfortunate unfortunate way to end such a, a cool turnaround for our team. And we are playing with so much confidence after that stretch. So uh, obviously, like I said, it's unfortunate how things ended. And obviously, our, a lot of our OHL careers ended. But... Uh, Kitchener was a first-class time, and I loved it there. And then your eligibility expires. You're too old to play major junior anymore. you got to make that decision. Uh, I know you you have a desire to play professionally, and then you've got the scholarship option as well. 
Take me through that thought process and what all went into it. I imagine COVID played a role too. Yeah, well, I guess I wanted to play pro. That was my kind of my my dream growing up was well to make it to the NHL for sure. But as you get older, I think you just want to play pro at some level. And with the OHL package, you they give you a if you don't sign an NHL deal, if you you can sign like an AHL deal, and they give you I think it's a year a year or so to try out pro, and then uh, if you don't activate your school package by that that timeline, then you kind of lose it forever. And and knowing with the COVID situation, uh, I was considering school the uh, the year before after my overage season. And knowing that it sounded like they probably weren't going to have a season, I thought this is kind of the perfect time to just give pro a try and see how it goes. And very worst, you have a good experience and make a little bit of money. And uh, so yeah, I signed with Laval. Um, the year didn't go as well as I hoped, obviously. It was a, a pretty deep Laval team with a lot of good prospects, and they actually ended up winning the – they didn't have any playoffs, but they finished first in the Canadian division by a little bit, and it was just a hard team kind of to, to crack a spot on and get some ice time. So overall, it was a fun experience, but going into going into the summer, I, I knew school was definitely a possibility, and like I covered before, the whole the whole recruiting process of the universities and ending up choosing St. FX, and uh, I couldn't be happier with my decision right now. From your experience, are players in the OHL and the CHL in general, are they pretty educated on what U Sports has to offer and how the scholarship package works? Because I'm sure there was a time when people thought, okay, you will play Canadian University, and that's kind of the end of your career. But now it's the ECHL, the AHL, the NHL, that dream's not over just because you're playing U sports. Yeah, I mean, from my opinion, from from my experience, I should say, I I didn't know a ton about the U sports hockey. I think, I honestly think a lot of guys probably don't think it's as good as it actually is. I think coming in, I think, or especially growing up, I think everyone wants to play pro after the OHL or CHL, whatever the league they play in. And uh, for me too, I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have a ton of buddies that came to the AUS I had a few guys that said and a lot of my buddies that came out here came last year and didn't even have a league so when I was trying to pick schools they they could only give me as much info as they had without playing any games and kind of they kind of gave me the school the school experience but nothing really about the hockey so um I definitely think it's an underlooked league I think like I've stated earlier it's it's real competitive hockey and every game every game's a battle and there's a lot of good players out here and everyone plays hard so uh, it's it's obviously not pro hockey, and a lot of guys want to go there. But it, like you said, it, it can be a great stepping stone to hopefully get a pro deal after you're done here, and you get a degree as well. So it's kind of a win-win. Now I know you mentioned that in your draft year you were playing with the uh, the Sioux Greyhounds, and they were a, you know a deep veteran team, so maybe you weren't getting the ice time uh, necessary to to get drafted. I look, you're a six foot five, almost two hundred pound right-handed centerman. I'd have to think there are a lot of teams who are keeping tabs on you right now. Why do you think uh, the pro hockey just didn't work out for you? Uh, well, in the draft year, actually, I did end up getting drafted by Dallas, um, but uh, I never signed with them. And I guess for for some reason, it just didn't click for them. And um, I had some good season. I had one really good season. And I think it was just a matter of they didn't see my play style kind of fit with what they wanted. And and then going into my overage year, I think there was some interest, but not enough interest for an NHL deal. And I ended up, uh, I ended up signing an AHL deal with Laval. But uh, like you said, I think 
hopefully some teams are, are still going to follow me throughout my youth sports career. And then hopefully when it's all done here, uh, I get a chance to continue playing hockey somewhere when it's all done. Yeah, leading uh, U Sports in scoring right now as we speak, uh, I would have to think so. Uh, Liam, I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this year for both you and for the X-Men. Uh, thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you. That was great. That was fun. Here's Liam Howell from the St. FX X-Men uh, playing in AUS hockey in uh, eastern Canada and leading in, in all of U Sport in scoring right now. And, and as I mentioned during that conversation, a six foot five, two hundred pound right-handed centerman. Tell me that guy is not getting some uh, some looks right now from NHL teams. Drafted by Dallas, but not signed by Dallas. And uh, th- maybe they'll circle back and say, you know what? We dra- we liked him in his draft year for a reason. We saw that potential. Maybe a bit of a late bloomer here, as he is uh, really putting up the points early in his U Sport career. Up next, we're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight once again. This time we're headed to Moose Jaw. Jagger Furcus, outstanding forward with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Let's get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, I'm Stuart Skinner from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Here's Skinner looking for the empty net. Rolling, rolling. He scores! Stuart Skinner! Unbelievable! Stuart Skinner has a goal! And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, this one's great on ice. Why is that, bud? Troubled Monk Troubled Tea. This surprising beverage is low in sugar, zero carbonation, and has an unmistakable real tea taste. Alberta's first and only hard iced tea. Player comparable, Jack Eichel. Silky smooth and super skilled, but a little softer and enjoyed by all. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk. Craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Who's scruffy looking? We're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we are going to turn the 2022 draft spotlight back on. We already had one segment earlier in this week's episode where we chatted with a uh, draft eligible player. We're about to do that again, but first, the Pipeline Show is brought to you. By Wilhock Beef Jerky, that is Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada. Just contact Trent at the Leduc location. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com, place your order. Any size, any order, anywhere in Western Canada, and they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh when you get it. It's fantastic. My next guest is coming to us from the Moose Jaw Warriors. I'm pleased to be speaking with Jagger Furcus. Uh, Jagger, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing terrific. Uh, your team playing some uh, good hockey. Uh, well, how would you describe this season? It, from the outside looking in, a little bit up, a little bit down. Uh, it's like one step forward, one step back. How do you uh, kind of describe this year so far for you and the Warriors? Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. We uh, we went through some slumps this year already. It's early in the season, so we just got to remember that's just we're I think we're twelve games in, twelve games in now. So uh, it's not a big deal, but I'm sure we'll start to uh, start to click here, and we'll go on a run. For Christmas break. I know if the playoffs started today, you guys would be in it. So that's uh, one big uh, hurdle to to clear. But uh, looking at the standings right now, as you and I are speaking, it's it's Wednesday. You you were in action yesterday against the Red Deer Rebels. Dropped that one 
by a 4-2 score. But um, the standings, it's like four teams in the Eastern Conference kind of separated themselves from the pack. You're at the top echelon of that next group. How do you uh, get on a hot streak and rejoin that uh, those four teams at the top? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good way to put it. But uh, this weekend, we've got a couple good teams coming at us this way with Edmonton and Lethbridge. So we're going to start there, start with Edmonton. They're obviously a really solid team, good up front, good at the back, and got a good goalie. But we got to play our game. And if we go in there uh, playing our game and with some swagger, I'm sure we'll come out with a W. All right. And for yourself this year, 17 points in 14 games. So obviously the, the numbers are there for you. I have to think you're pretty happy with the way things are going uh, for you as an individual. Uh, yeah, it's been a good start to the season. I'm happy for myself just from all the hard work in the summer. So I'm happy that's uh, starting to show here. And uh, especially with my line mates as well, Braden Yeager, he's having a great season. He's a young guy as well, so that's good for him. And it's I'm excited for the season. I'm excited for the future as well, watching our team grow and what we can do. Well, 14 points in the sub hub uh, last uh, last uh, quote unquote season in the uh, in the hub down in Regina. 14 points in 23 games already have blown past those numbers in uh, you know half as many games. Uh, to what do you attribute that big jump in production? I mean, 14 points in the hub is great, but it's got to a whole nother level here early this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just confidence that's huge here, especially with uh, if you're having confidence going to games, then you're confident to make those passes that maybe you weren't making last year as a 16-year-old. So hmm. this year, I think my coaches have gave me a good, a very good chance with uh, just being myself and being creative, which is awesome. And I think uh, if I keep rolling from here, we should be good. Okay, you mentioned uh, that you're playing a, a lot with uh, Braden Yeager. Uh, and uh, who's your other line mate, or does that change often? Uh, it changes quite often. Last game, we were switching. We had Ryder Korzak with us, and we, were, we played well with him, so that's awesome. And uh, it just kind of switches. doesn't really matter who that third guy is on the line. You're finding chemistry regardless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am speaking with uh, Jagger Furcus. He's a uh, forward with the Moose Jaw Warriors. And uh, Jagger, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience, uh, which is across North America and into Europe, um, get to know players who are draft eligible. So there'll be people hearing this that they might be in the States or on the East Coast. They don't watch the Moose Jaw Warriors play. They might not know who you are, but because you're draft eligible, they want it, they're going to want some information. So for the benefit of those people, let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Irma, Alberta. It's a small little town of 500. When I first think of Irma, two things that come to mind, well, some of the players that have come out of there, Carson Soucy and uh, Parker Mackay, who has played in the AJHL and off to Duluth, and that's where Carson Soucy played as well. And uh, I believe there's uh, another player, is he with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, who's uh, from Irma right now? Another Mackay, isn't he? Yep, Reed Mackay. That's one of my best friends. I've been friends with him since I was born, as long as I can remember. He's a great player, and I played him last week in Lethbridge. It was pretty cool to play against him. It was, it was, it was, I guess, just weird. Just looking at him across the ice was pretty odd, but it was fun. So not a big town, Irma, but producing some hockey talent. What's in the water there? I'm not sure. I think it's just your, your sport. In the summer, you're always playing fastball. Yep. In the winter, you're playing hockey, whether even if that's not in Irma. You're always playing hockey on the outdoor pond or on a, uh outdoor rink or just in the rink. You get it opened up and you you can just go out there with your buddies and have fun. Well, and that's the other thing that comes to mind. It's the hockey in in, in winter, and it's the ball in summer. And I'm guessing that uh, you kind of have to play both if you're from Irma, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's I guess, engraved in our systems, I guess, in Irma. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Jagger, when did you uh, first take to the ice? Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Uh, I think I was three or probably three when I 
first stepped on ice, but probably played hockey when I was four or five. And who got you into it at that young of an age? Uh, my parents. My parents and my older brother. Oh, you have an older brother. Did he play too? Yeah, he played in. He played for Okotoks Oilers, and he played in the BCHL for Kelowna Warriors. I see. How big of an age gra- gap is there between the two of you? I. Uh, He's born '94. I'm an old four, so quite a bit. Oh wow, ten years. Okay, so obviously you never got to mm-hmm. to play uh, on the same team growing up or anything like that. A little bit on the outdoor rinks and stuff uh, in the off season. Well, not in the off season, outdoor rinks, but you know, you get some time off or something. Yeah, for sure. He, I played mini six with him a lot, and it's Carson Susi, <laughs> the guy that's on the track, and now he's good friends with my older brother. Yeah. So and Parker actually too. So I played mini six with those guys growing up, which was awesome and pretty cool to look back on now. Uh, Jagger, have you always been a forward? Yep. I played, I think I played one tournament in spring hockey when I was like eight when I was demon and I didn't really enjoy it. I, I know at a young age, a lot of guys will have to take their turn in net. You know, some teams might not have a, a full-time yeah. goaltender. So you, you get tapped on the shoulder by the coach and told it's your turn this weekend. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have a, an experience like that? Uh, yeah, I did. I've got a couple times, but I remember, I remember one story where, one of my buddies, like Reed Mackay, that got on the Lethbridge Hurricanes, he wanted to be a goalie his whole life, actually. Hmm. And his parents wouldn't let him be it. So looking back on it now, it's probably a good call because he's playing in the WHL as a forward, not a goalie. So <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, it's worked out well for both of you. Take me back to the uh, the Bantam draft. Uh, I, when I chat with players, a lot of them will say that they were at home uh, following along uh, as the draft unfolds. Other guys were at school looking at it on their phones or whatever. What about for you? Yeah, I was at school as well. I was just in a class, and I think everyone in our class knew what was going on because Reed was in it as well. And I guess you just got a phone call, and he answered it. I picked up, and it was Alan Miller from Moose Girl and Tim Hunter. And they just said, I guess, you're drafted to us. A fourth-round pick that, that year back in 2019, uh, 82nd overall by the Moose Jaw Warriors. Now, uh, I mean, chances are pretty good that you're going to have to move you know, out of Alberta to play in the Western Hockey League as uh, uh, there are so many teams in the league. Uh, well, how did you feel about it being Mooska? Uh, I didn't really know much about Mooska. I knew it was a small community, which is cool because I'm from a small community as well. Yeah. But it's just, it's kind of like the same way. I guess everyone, everyone's super friendly and everyone's super welcoming. And uh, it's a great city to be in, that's for sure. Nice. And then you get there and uh, was uh, Coach Hunter still behind the bench when you first arrived? Yeah. yeah. When I was 15, when I played those exhibition games, oh, I guess, and regular season games, he was the head coach for the first couple of them. Intimidating guy when he was a player on the ice. What was he like as a coach? Uh, he was pretty intimidating as well. He was, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really, I guess, not too long. I only played a couple games under him, so wasn't. I didn't get to know him too well, but right. it was intimidating for sure. Well, the season that got wiped out uh, at the end of it because of COVID, you got into twelve games with the Warriors that year, had a couple of points, uh, and then last year we know with with COVID we were limited to. You know, up to 24 games. I think he played 23 down in Regina in the in the hub. How important was it, though, to get those 23 games in instead of just not being able to play at all? Oh, that's huge. Obviously, I was very happy when we got told that we were even able to play, which was pretty cool to even to get a little bubble for us. Yeah. So I was really excited to go there. And it was good for a younger guy going there as well, just because there was no playoffs or anything. So it was just kind of a like a, I guess, learning year. So then it was good for the young guys, and it was good for me to gain chemistry with Braden Yeager last year as well. How have you sort of evolved as a player here in the last you know, two calendar years uh, with extended time off between seasons because of COVID? Maybe it, it's extra time for training, things like that. But has it, how have you evolved as a, as a hockey player? I think I've evolved quite a bit. Obviously, there's, that's 
you have a lot of time to yourself and you have a lot of time to work on your game. So I guess it's the people that they, uh, the people that realize that and do work hard in those situations will show. And I think I did that, and I think I'm happy with how it's going right now. Well, your Bantam year, 65 points in 30 games playing in Lloyd with the Bobcats. Um, that's an offensive season. Everywhere you've been before and after, there's offensive numbers. So we can tell that you're an offensive-minded player, but the stats maybe don't give us the whole picture. So how do you describe yourself as a player? Uh, yeah, I'd for sure be an offensive. Uh, I have good IQ. I can read a play, and I have good vision to give help my teammates out. Well, seven points. Uh, excuse me, seven goals this year, ten assists. Uh, do you see yourself more as a setup guy or the guy who pulls the trigger? Uh, it would be a setup guy. I think I like. I do like shooting the puck, but my linemate Bernie Yeager has quite the shot, so it's pretty easy <laughs> to give him the puck and let him rip it. When you have that sort of luxury on the wing or uh, next to you, you, feed that guy who's going to bury the pill, and uh, you'll collect your points uh, setting him up. Yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Definitely. How much is the draft on your mind this year? I know when I talk to players, some of them will tell me that they uh, they don't want to think about the draft because it could be a distraction. Other guys tell me they look to see who's got them ranked where, and they kind of use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you? I try to not pay attention to AAS. You always, it's obviously always in the back of your mind, but I try not to pay attention to it because whatever happens, happens, and it's not my decision. So I guess if it goes well then it's good but if it doesn't go well then i guess i just got to keep working and making sure that some teams i guess regret it now the uh, the sheet i'm looking at in the whl's website lists you at 510 about 150 155 pounds i don't know how up to date that is so what are you at right now yeah i'm still 510 155 yeah obviously size is uh something you're you've been able to overcome to get to this point and you'll have to do so for you know the, once you get to the next level as well why is size not a disadvantage for you? You're, you're obviously succeeding despite not being 6'2 and 210. Yeah, I think, I think it's just hockey IQ to be able to read the play and being able to, I guess, not having to be big. It's not. I like being small. It's better for getting those tight errors, doing tight turns and that kind of stuff. So I think you just got to find a way to think about it in a different way. You got to think about it from a different perspective and make sure that you're getting chances from those. In, with that in mind, do you think size is maybe uh, overrated? I, I I would say that, but you could disagree because I am a small guy, so <laughs> I think most small guys would say that. But I, I would completely, yeah, for sure. I guess the NHL it seems to be moving to more skilled skilled players, and it doesn't really matter about size, I would think. Now, growing up in, uh, I guess, rural Alberta, was there a, a team that you... Uh, took a fancy to as an NHL team that became your favorite club or was it individual players that you like to follow or how did you see it as a kid? Uh, I, re I remember watching the Oilers, but when I was watching them as younger, they weren't the best team. So I guess you always had to find a bandwagon team, <laughs> which would be Chicago Blackhawks for me and Patrick Kane. I loved watching. That, that's what a lot of guys your age will tell me is that it, Chicago was the team and now it's kind of reverse, right? Chicago is the team that's struggling and the Oilers are really yeah. good right now. Patrick Kane, though, not the biggest guy in the world. So is that a guy that you look at and say, you know what? He's finding a way to get it done. I can I can be like that, too. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a smaller guy as well, but I think the hockey IQ is there for him. He's insanely smart. I guess you just got to watch from him. And as a smaller guy as well, you just got to pick game, things from his game and use them in mind. What part of your game is underrated, do you think? Um, uh, My shot. And is there an area of your game that you think you really actually need to focus in and improve on before you get to the next level? It would be my 
my muscle, my muscle and weight. I want to gain weight this off season and the season coming up. So that would be the main thing. How big is your brother? Uh, he's probably five ten, five eleven, two hundred. Okay, so maybe you ask him what he did. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got the the big games this weekend uh, coming up against uh, Edmonton and, and Lethbridge, and I guess when you're playing against your buddy head to head like that, before games and after games, I'm sure you get a chance to chat. But on the ice, do you guys chirp each other? Uh, no, actually, last last game against him, we just kind of laughed every time we hopped on ice against each other. We both smirked at each other and just kind of <laughs> played on. You don't really have time, I guess, to chirp each other when you're on. I guess if there's a whiff, he might have time, but. If there's a whistle, we're mainly just talking, asking how things are going. Oh, that's great. Well, Jagger, listen, I really appreciate your time today. I enjoyed this. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season with Moose Jaw, and hopefully we'll get a chance to chat again. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Jagger Furcus of the Moose Jaw Warriors. The uh, Warriors are in action, but not they don't play until Saturday. The Edmonton Oil Kings with newly returned Jake Neighbors will be in action uh, this weekend for the Oil Kings. So it's a tough test. For the Warriors, but if they're going to climb the standings and get back into that group that's at the top of the Eastern Conference standings, uh, they're going to have to beat teams like the Oil Kings. So a tough test, but they're going to be up for it this weekend. Should be an entertaining game if you can get to the rink. Up next, well, just a little bit east of Moose Jaw is uh, Regina, and that is the home of Rod Peterson and the Rod Peterson Show TV play-by-play voice of the Regina Pats, but uh, well-known for his uh, vast knowledge on uh, a, a variety of sports. Well, we're going to talk WHL and the Regina Pats uh, specifically with him. Obviously, uh, Connor Bedard, not off to the start that a lot of people expected he would be this year. We'll chat about that. But just in general, about the Western Hockey League as well. Attendance down. Uh, what can be done about that? Lots of ground to cover with Rod Peterson next here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Jake Neighbors from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Sawchuck. Here comes Neighbors driving away. Backhander. Scores! What a shot! Oh, Jake Neighbors backhander on the rush. It's 4-3 Edmonton. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. If you haven't tried it yet, you got to get your hands on some. Mm. If you're in Western Canada, contact Trent at the location in Leduc, and any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they'll ship it to you. comes vacuum sealed. It's fresh, delicious. It's fantastic. WilhockBeefJerky.com. Uh, my next guest uh, coming to me from Regina, Saskatchewan, where he is the host of the aptly named Rod Peterson Show. <laughs> of course, that is Rod Peterson himself. Roddy, welcome back to the program. How you doing, bud? Yeah, really well. I'm glad that you uh, had me on, man. I'm looking forward to it. Always enjoy these chats. And uh, 
you can add to that title television voice of the Regina Pats for now, which has been a lot of fun the past few years since I've been back in the booth. Well, that is. How long has it been since you were the radio voice? Uh, so to get back to doing those oh, games. Going back a long ways, 2010. But, you know, it's funny because I talked. I remember I will never forget Jordan Everly going on the Pipeline show. Yeah. That was when I first got introduced to the program, and I've been hooked ever since. And Ebb's always loved going on. Boy, a lot has happened in our lives and with his life since then, hasn't it? There are guys now who are retiring <laughs> from the NHL from when we st- – like uh, Kyle Brodziak played in Moose Jaw for the longest time and then, and then went on and had a long NHL career. He's retired now. Like how old does that make us look? Oh, I don't look at it that way. I look at it this way. You're not very good if you don't stick around. And you guys have been around a long time. That says a lot for the Pipeline Show. Oh, well, thanks, Rod. I appreciate that. All right, let's mm-hmm. get to it. You're, you're spoiled right now because uh, not only do you have this kick-ass show that you're on, and maybe let's start with that. It's uh, available on uh, Game Plus Network, and this is what now? I want to say it's two, three years? This is the third year, yeah. Third yeah, year. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, and I, I, If I said, you know, could you imagine when you started that it would be as popular as it's become? I'm guessing the answer is no, but uh, you guys do a fantastic job. Well, I appreciate that, Guy. And to be honest, I just made a little tour through Alberta. We did our show from West Edmonton Mall, did our show from... Eau Claire Sheraton in Calgary and one thing I heard in both places was people love the junior hockey talk they watch for the junior hockey talk it's not a shock to you and me how popular junior hockey is in western Canada but it's always nice to get those reaffirmations right and those shots in the arm and I'll be honest my favorite league is the western hockey league just for for a variety of reasons I think about it all the time so we do uh, a lot of hockey talk a lot of junior hockey talk on there maybe that's why it's lasted uh, this long i don't know well and when i said you're spoiled it's because you're in regina right now with uh, one of the most exciting junior hockey players on the planet uh, in uh, Connor bedard now the pats wouldn't say they're off to a, a an amazing start or anything this year but they seem like maybe they're turning the corner here a little bit as they've rattled off what four straight uh, victories um what have you seen from the pats this year maybe start to what they're at right now well you know let me say this uh, entered the week you're right on a four-game win streak just had john paddock on my show on wednesday and uh, this season has mirrored last season in the bubble here in regina hmm. pats had a dreadful start and then they stabilized and as you know connor bedard when he left to go to the world under 18s he was leading the whl in scoring at least the 17 hub here in scoring 1.87 points a game this year he is not even i don't think a point a game so there's a lot of people. Sorry to jump right into the Bedard talk. Yeah, that's Why fine. not? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go there. I don't think he's even at a point of game. And so I wasn't afraid to ask John Paddock that, you know, what is his assessment of why that is. Mm-hmm. And he brought up a great point. Uh, last year's WHL, there was a lot of 15-year-olds, as you know, and Connor was one. It seemed like every team had one. Some had a couple. Yep. There were less 20-year-olds. There were no Europeans at all. And let's be honest, though, they're some of the league's best players. And then he said for Connor, every game was a home game. So he didn't have to do, deal with the rigors of driving to Winnipeg on game day, you know, and mm-hmm. playing a game and coming back. So it was it was a lot easier environment last year for Connor Bedard. And listen, it's not like he's being hard on Connor. I mean, he loves him. We all love him. But it hasn't been the same year. His line mates have not contributed. They've not been like they were last year. And, and honestly, he made Carson Denemy look like <laughs> Glenn Anderson. Uh, he did. I mean, if you know the WHL, you know, Carson had been around, been in Moose Jaw and then in Regina. But all of a sudden, he 
him and Connor fed off each other, and that led to on some nights, you know, two points a game for Connor Bedard. He doesn't have that this year. Now I go to every game, whether we're broadcasting it on television or not, and Connor still has all the dazzling skills. And as you pointed out, the team's turning around just like last year. They picked off the start. They're turning it around. And had there been playoffs last year, uh, the path would have been in them. They're in third as they enter this week, so they've come, they've come around. But that's another thing Pat said. Last year, the guys weren't playing, forgive me for saying, balls out around the entire division because there was nothing to play for. He says the competition, though, this year is, has been ramped up a little bit, too. So there's a lot of factors that aren't necessarily going against Connor, but aren't as favorable as last year. Mm. How about that? Yeah, that no, that works. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I had Sam Cosentino on recently. I know you did as well. And uh, Shane Wright in Kingston, who's an exceptional status player and should be the first overall pick in the draft this year, he also got off to a slow start this year, or what people would describe as a slow start. Seems to have turned it around. I asked <laughs> him, I, I figured, you know, for me it was two things. They're not surprising anybody this year. Everybody knows to key in on those two guys, and and Connor obviously in Regina, he's going to be facing all the tough defensemen and the shutdown guys. He's not sneaking up on anybody. That's one aspect. The other aspect, WHL is a pretty hard league. You know, you can't just expect a guy to have two points a game all season long. No, that's another thing that John brought up, and actually, I I brought up the competition part of it. There's at every goalie that we've interviewed. Has from Nolan Meyer to uh, Ethan Kruger, these kinds of they all say they get geared up to face Connor Bedard. They yeah. think about it all day, <laughs> day of the game. And as Paddock said, let's not forget he is only sixty. Yeah, <laughs> as we said, right? So we tend to forget that. But I know this: all those great hockey fans at Alberta have been writing me. They're like, we've got tickets for when the Pats come through Edmonton or Red Deer. Like it's he's still that guy and there haven't been very many in my time i'll be honest jordan tutu was one that filled barnes on the road Mm -hmm. every night jordan eberly did because i was there and i saw it with my own eyes there haven't been many since so when you watch connor well he may not like the other night they plastered brandon 6-1 and connor only had one assist he was happier and smiling more in that game than any other game because they finally won and kicked the crap out of somebody happened to be the injured (laughs) beaten up weak Kings, but that was Paddock said that was the scout. One of the things he heard about Connor Bedard as a person is that he's just as happy or more happy for his teammates than himself. And I saw that uh, Saturday night, just as happy for them to have success than himself. Well, the oil Kings are uh, running through a Southern Saskatchewan uh, this week. Uh, they were up in PA and uh, Saskatoon earlier in the week. Uh, and they have Regina and Moose Jaw this weekend. What should oil King fans expect from this Pat's team uh, outside of Connor Bedard, who else is playing well? Well, one guy we haven't mentioned is the head coach, Dave Struish. And if anybody knows Dave <laughs> from his days with the Blades going back a long time, uh, they're going to work hard. And ever since Dave Struish took the reins of this team, was it three years ago now? That was the scouting report from the other teams around the dub because they told me, if you don't come to the rink prepared to work hard, if you're not the hardest working team that night, the Pats will beat you, you know, Lack of talent or not, the Pats are going to work hard. I got to think that word is around the league now that that's still the case under Dave Struish. The uh, line mates, as I sit here and think about it now, uh, Logan Nyhoff and Cole Dubinsky are the line mates of Connor Bedard. So they're always dangerous. But one of the reasons the Pats have gone on this winning streak is they're getting a little more depth of scoring. And these are names, they're, they're young guys, uh, Tanner Howe, Adam McNutt, if they, if they mean anything to your listeners. So... Yeah. 
they got all 20 guys going now, which is clearly the Pats. You've never been able to win in this league or really any league is a one line team. So they're getting more contributions and more than anything though, the Pats just don't cheat their fans. And you, I, you know, I born and raised in this town. They know these fans know (laughs) they're getting cheated. They're mad and they're not, they're getting their money's worth every night out of the effort from this club. And that's, then, you know, that makes me very happy. You're in a, a hockey market for sure, in a smart junior hockey market. They know that this is a year that's about development and advancing the, the skills and, and experience of these players, getting to the playoffs and, and having some playoff experience. They might not win this year as, you know, WHL champions, but setting up next year, which will be Bedard's final year in the WHL, nobody's expecting him back after the, the 2023 NHL draft. How important is it to get into the playoffs and have some success there? Holy smokes, man. How much time do we have? Yeah. Because, well, and I'm not going to keep you too. I don't, I could go on about this forever because I do a lot of junior A games too, Guy. And uh, so I was out in Notre Dame last week talking with some scouts there. And this is the Pats hadn't even gone on this winning streak yet. And they said the Pats are in a major pinch here right now. At that time, they were on a seven game losing streak. And they were saying, and I agree that what, what are they going to do? Yeah. If they offload Connor Bedard, which could set you up for years for what you'd get back. I swear you could. What are you doing? You're waving the white flag. Are you saying that you don't believe in your own program? But do you augment your roster? Which I think at the end of the day, the Pats are probably going to have to do because they're just good enough. I said they're in third in the division. I don't, I don't expect they'll drop much below that. You know, maybe they will have to augment their roster if they're going to contend at all. This year or next. And, and and by the way, you mentioned who is playing well. There's a young goalie here who's 17 years of age. He's on the central scouting radar. His name's Matthew Keeper. Mm-hmm. He's from Winnipeg, and he's very, very, very good. They had a rotating crease last year. Roddy Ross was one of them. Dub, one of them, Dub fans would know Roddy Ross yep. from his days with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, he's gone now. Uh, Matthew Keeper at 17 is taking the reins. And 17-year-old starting goaltender is are not unheard of in the Western Hockey League. There's a lot of them, but they're somewhat unheard of here <laughs> with this team. So, yeah, Matthew Keeper is a guy that's given them a chance to win every night. And so I think that's got Paddock and Dave Strusha a little more comfort- comforted, knowing that they could do something in the playoffs while Connor Bedard's here the next two springs. But they're going to have to add to it a little bit. They, I just I don't know how much they have. Like, Do they want to trade picks? That might be what they have to do, and nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Uh, when you've seen the other clubs, in the, at least in the Eastern Division of the, out of the WHL, what has stood out for you? I know Winnipeg right now is, you know, they got seven-point cushion atop the Eastern Conference. Uh, I know some people would make the argument that they'd taken advantage of those beaten-up Brandon Wheat Kings and, and the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, but we saw them come through Alberta and have success against some pretty good teams here as well. What have you seen from the ice? Well, interesting that Edmonton gave them their first loss, isn't it? Um, tells you how good Edmonton is. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing them Friday night. But no, Winnipeg, look, they're unreal. And that's without Peyton Krabs. Like I called uh, most of their games last year in the bubble, and I just, I couldn't, I love watching Winnipeg. And their coach is such a great guy in James Patrick. Yeah. Um, there are some that feel that the Winnipeg Ice could beat the Arizona Coyotes. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm just saying they're that good. Um, Brandon, well, when they came through, through here, uh, the buzz in the scouts room was that Brandon's best team was in the stands that night. Yeah. So when they do get healthy, I think they'll make a run. And let's not forget, they're the defending Subway Cup champions. They won the East Division Cup here in the bubble last year. And 
you know, when Patrick said that the players weren't playing for anything, Brandon was, <laughs> I can tell you that, uh, on the disappoint. Well, and Saskatoon's been good. Very good. Still for the life of me, have no idea how Nolan Meyer hasn't been drafted nor had a world junior sniff. They're starting their 20 year old goalie from York. And he's the fr- he's become the franchise wins leader. Amazing. I don't need to tell you what they've had for goalies coming yeah. through Saskatoon. Do the, 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 the names Tim Shovelday and Braden Holpe ring a bell? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, and then on the disappointing side, uh, Moose Jaw, honestly. I mean, everybody last year wanted to say that their team was the youngest team in the league. I never had the energy to look up who, who actually was. I just kept hearing that Moose Jaw was the youngest, and they're really struggling a lot right now. And... Um, Mind you, I saw them beat Medicine Hat in overtime two Fridays ago, and they, they look good that night. They got a lot of talent, Moose but the record does not match it. So I caution everybody that we're not even at U.S. Thanksgiving yet, which is usually the cutoff line in the NHL for knowing what you have or what you don't. Right. I still think teams are still kind of sorting out what they have, and I would put Moose Jaw in that category. I would put most teams in that category. But uh, the hockey's been tremendous. I, I do have to say this. Anybody listening right now, get your tickets and get out and watch these young stars. Because this crop, we mentioned Sammy Cosentino. We just, we just talked about that the other day. Um, this year's draft class is okay. Next year's draft class is sensational. When they're already talking about it this far in advance, that mm-hmm. tells you it's been- well, That's for sure. Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show is my guest. We're chatting some WHL stuff. Maybe let's go to ticket sales right now and the attendance. I don't know what it's like in Regina right now or some of the other markets in games you've been able to go to. In Edmonton, it's definitely down. And I know, I think part of that is the explanation I've been given is that they didn't know 100% that they were going to have a season until really late in the summer. Weren't able to start selling those group ticket sales, which at least here, getting the minor hockey teams to come in and the schools to come in uh, by the busloads, that's a big chunk of why it's down here, and that's supposedly turning around here right away. What's the attendance been like in Saskatchewan, as far as you know? Well, I would suggest that reason there is a new one that I've heard, but maybe uh, maybe that's the case for Edmonton. I haven't heard that here. Attendance isn't great. Uh, I've been told the Pats are leading the East in attendance, and if that's the case, I'd be a little. I'm a little disappointed because they're I don't know around 3,500 a game. And when I said I went to Moose Jaw to watch them play Medicine Hat, honestly, man, it looked like a midget game hmm. in terms of attendance. And I, I, I'm a dub guy, man. I don't like to be negative at all. But I don't know what it's going to take to get people out. My brother, he and I talk almost every day, he played in the dub for the Calgary Wranglers. And uh, he goes, they built that new rink at Moose Jaw. Why don't anybody go? <laughs> I'm like, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. I don't. What, what I'm hearing here is two things. One, cash crunch. And you can't argue that. There's no doubt that this has hurt the economy. And hockey tickets are not number top of mind. Nor football tickets in your city, as I see. Yeah. Uh, the other one is the vaccination pass. And I get that, too. I mean, there was a lineup. If you know the Brand Center, there was a lineup from the front doors to Louvan Drive for people checking their passport to get in. Hmm. Or the proof of vaccination. That's a long ways, man. That's like three football fields. At least two. Uh, people lined up to get into the facility. And I wouldn't blame people for saying, oh, I'm not doing this again and not coming back. I, I, I will say that is a thing. And then I had a broadcaster of an East Division team. I was visiting with him in between periods at a recent game. And he pointed to his own mask he had on. And he goes, these things, these things are keeping people away. So 
there's like four reasons you and I have come up with, and I can't argue honestly with any of them, you know, and while the fifth is that people that are upset about the fact that they have to be vaccinated at all, we won't go down that road. Obviously, it's just a lot of things stacking up against the dub, and it's unfo- it's very unfortunate because not one of them is their fault. Now, it might be easy for me to say, but I wonder, I'm not an owner of a team, so the, all these clubs, all the teams that were in the subhub uh, last year in Regina, all the teams in the central that were actually traveling, there, there was not a, a hub here in the central. All those teams took losses last year, big losses, because it's, it's not cheap to play uh, WHL hockey. So uh, on one hand, you got they Those teams, I feel bad for the owners because they took it on the chin last year or took it in the wallet, and they got to try to recoup some of that money. On the other hand, I, you got to get fans in the building. Do they maybe have to adjust uh, ticket prices here to get the fans back? Uh, probably. I mean, I hear that a lot around Regina that you know tickets are thirty eight dollars to get in the door, and I I have season tickets, Gee, and I bought them for this simple reason so nobody can bitch at me saying I don't have them. Right. <laughs> when, I, when I talk about t- and by the way they're a thousand dollars each in a luxury suite um so that's that but that's a sweet tickets but i i don't know man the way the whl markets i think these teams work so hard with their own social media their own game night production you see it not everybody has what rogers place has in the Edmonton oil kings i get that but in regina it's an nhl caliber production and has been for a few years somebody's got to pay for that yeah and, you know, you go on Ticketmaster and try to buy an Oilers ticket, you're into the hundreds of dollars, and we can't pay 38 to watch the next stars? I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But I also have gone on Ticketmaster and to look for past tickets that start at $19. So I don't know how much lower you could go when costs are going up. That's been a problem facing the WHL for a lot of years. I've had that talk with a lot of GMs. They've cried on my shoulder. <laughs> um, ticket costs are going up and ticket sales revenue is stagnant. I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either. And I I made the the case here on social media, on Twitter, not that long ago. Like, you can go watch Dylan Gunther play right now as a, a member oh. of the Edmonton Oil Kings for 20 bucks plus service charge to get in the building. Or you can wait a year and wait till he comes in with Arizona and then you're paying $180. To me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. To do that, if you love junior hockey or you you want to watch the stars of the NHL right now, you can do it for a lot uh, more cost-friendly uh, ticket price right now. But I, I agree with you. I don't know what the answer is because I, I do feel for these owners that really took it on the chin last year. Yeah, for sure. You know what? And with what Dylan Genther did in Arizona in the preseason, I feared they were going to keep him. Yeah. I wouldn't have been shocked with a team like that. So, again, I'm looking forward to seeing him this weekend. All I can say... You just try and be a leader, if that's anything. And I go to every game that I can, Junior A and WHL, and just try to drag people with a, with me. That's really all we could do, I think. Uh, I guess a better example might be Jake Neighbors. Uh, last week, you're you're paying 150 bucks to watch him in St. Louis. This weekend, you can watch him in Regina for, what, 19 bucks plus service charge to get in? Yep, exactly. Yep, and that's hard to beat. Exactly. Rod, what do you got coming up on your show in the next uh, little bit? Um, well, uh, it's a good question. <laughs> I don't book the guests, ah. but we're, uh, we made the, uh, the decision to go heavier NHL. So we get a lot of NHL guests and I'll, I'll say it now. It's not a secret. I'm going to Florida here to host my show for a while. The Panthers have just, that's another topic that we could talk about all night, but Florida Panthers have accredited me for the entire season. And it's just been amazing the relationship that we've built with them Fantastic. and despite the fact that i believe they're the number one team in the nhl their attendance doesn't reflect that 
So they said, whatever you need, you got. So we might be Florida Panthers television coming up here over the next couple of months with guests and talk, and that suits me just fine. Oh, man, that's outstanding. Perfect time of year to get out of here and uh, head down to Florida, for sure. Hey, Rod, always great to catch up with you, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, man. Have a good winter. There's Rod Peterson uh, from the Rod Peterson Show in uh, beautiful Regina, Saskatchewan. Although, did he catch what he said at the very, very end as he said goodbye? Have a good winter because he's going to Florida. What a guy. Uh, great to have him back on the show. And if uh, if you haven't watched his show yet, he's always posting clips of it on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, the guys, everybody associated with that show, uh, they do a terrific job. And uh, you should uh, check it out for sure if you haven't already. We have one more segment to get to, and it's going to be an NCAA campus report. The leading scorer right now in college hockey happens to be a Canadian, and he happens to be on the show Next, that would be Taylor Ward from the University of Omaha. The Mavericks are off to a great start, largely because of the play of Taylor Ward. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Got the puck now in the corner. He and Louis Rail do battle. A pair of number sixes toward the front now. A nice play. They score. What a pretty goal by Brendan Brisson. And it's 2-1 Michigan. Hi, this is Brendan Brisson from the Chicago Steel, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to end this week's episode off with a campus report. Those, of course, brought to you by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, well, College Hockey, Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in contact with all the people over there. They can answer any of your questions or go to their website. It's collegehockeyinc.com. Well, my next guest uh, might have uh, been in contact with College Hockey Inc. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. As He's a Canadian, and he's uh, currently leading the NCAA in scoring right now. Taylor Ward is my guest. He plays for the UNO Mavericks. That would be the University of Nebraska slash Omaha. Uh, Taylor, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. You're on fire right now, and the team's playing some pretty good hockey, too. Uh, what's the secret to success here early in the season? Uh, well, thank you. We we appreciate it. Yeah, we're playing good, and um, I don't know if there's a secret, uh, but you know, I think that we're just you know playing good hockey right now, and um, it's paying off. So it's been good so far. Well, the team's eight and two. Big test this weekend. Eight and two uh, going against eight and two as uh, you're uh, connecting with uh, the Saint Cloud State uh, Huskies, and this is a road trip for you, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're in St. Cloud right now. All right. Well, it's a big weekend. Obviously, they're the number one ranked team in the country. Uh, Omaha ranked number 11, according to the USCHO uh, college hockey poll. 
you haven't played against them yet this year, correct? No, this is our first time. All right. So what do you expect from this weekend's uh, series? Well, I expect two good games, obviously. I think, uh, you know, they're ranked number one right now, so I think it's a good test for our team. And, um, you know, our goal is to to also, you know, finish the year at number one. So if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So um, that's kind of where we're at right now, and we're, we're just getting ready to, um, you know, play good Friday and hopefully get a win, and um, then we'll deal with Saturday when Saturday comes. So. Um, but we're feeling good. We're feeling confident. No off nights in the NCHC. Uh, such a, a strong conference from top to bottom. You you had the uh, the two wins against Miami last weekend. Those are the only ends, uh, only conference opponents you've played uh, so far this season. But that's one of the uh, the benefits of playing in the conference you're in. Uh, it makes you a better hockey player because you really can't afford to have an off night. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, you know, it might be biased of me, but I I think that the NCHC is the best league in the country and. Um, you know, any team can beat uh, any other team in the conference at any time. So uh, you're exactly right. There's uh, there's no uh, off nights. Uh, you got to bring your A game every time. And um, uh, if you don't, then, you know, the teams in this conference will take advantage and uh, you won't have the results that you're looking for. So, uh, yeah, we always got to be ready. You're a senior on the team this year. How has uh, your club evolved uh, during your time with the Mavericks? Well, if you look at our record from four years ago mm-hmm. when I was a freshman, I'd say we've come a long way. Yeah. Um, it's uh, but it's been fun. It's been really cool to see how this program has has continued to grow and um, all the new guys coming in and and even the the recruits that we have coming in the next few years are looking really really strong. So um, it's cool to be a part of. And uh, you know, I'm glad that I'm here when when we're all having some success. Uh, your first year with the team was, I think, uh, head coach Mike Gavinett's second year with the team. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right. Did he recruit you? Uh, he was uh, he was an assistant coach here when I uh, committed. Uh, the Dean Blaze was still the head coach. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he was a part of the re- recruiting process for sure. And then when he took over as head coach, we uh, we sat down and had a really good conversation. And, um, you know, I uh, was still very, very much excited to come here and play for him. All right. Well, I'm interested in the recruiting stuff. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, more on yourself and your tenure here with uh, with UNO. Um, when you first enter the program as a freshman, I imagine you know you're kind of carving out a niche for yourself to try to get more ice time and things. Uh, I asked you about the evolution of your team, but what about for you as a player? How have you changed since you first got there? Uh, dramatically, I, I'd assume. Um, when I came in, I think that uh, you know I was still young and and uh, there was still a lot to learn, and um, I've just been fortunate to come here for the last. You know, this is my fourth year here to uh, working with three of the uh, the smartest hockey guys I've ever met with Mike Gabinet, uh, Paul Gerard, and Dave Noel Bernier as the, as the assistants, and um, it's just been really good to to learn from those guys. Obviously, those uh, those two assistants have you know been in the NHL and um, they know what it takes. And um, you know, Gabinet is a, he's a, a really really smart hockey mind, so it's been good to learn. And um, I'm just looking forward to uh, to learning even more and. Um, becoming uh, the best player I can here in, in Omaha, and then you know we'll see what happens. Taylor Ward is my guest. He's a forward with the UNO uh, Mavericks uh, in the NCDC. Uh, excuse me, the NCHC uh, in the NCAA. So many acronyms; it's tough to get them all straight sometimes. Let's talk about your path to to get to where you are. You're a Canadian, as I mentioned, from Kelowna. Um, I know you played in the BCHL uh, with the Penticton V's for three years, actually a couple of games before that. Uh, as well but always an offensive minded player 
Uh, your last season with the with the V's, you had uh, basically a point per game, 44 points in 46 games. That has carried over to the NCAA for you, uh, and a lot of guys might struggle that first year to to be productive. Why do you think it it didn't uh, take you long? I mean, you had 27 points as a freshman. Um, I think that my time at Penticton really taught me a lot. I think it's a uh probably the best program in Canada to play at, uh, as at least I think so. I mean, again, I might be a little bit biased, but um, I think my time there with uh, with Fred Harbinson as the coach and, and all the guys that we played, I played with there, uh, many of them moved on to college as well. So mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot there in junior. And then when I got here, I was, uh, you know, put in a, a pretty good situation here um, pretty early on in my college career. I, my freshman year, I got to play with two really, really good seniors. Um, and, uh, I just kind of, we just kind of clicked and, and, uh, it worked out. So, um, a little bit of luck in there. Was involved there I <laughs> well, you're modest, uh, Mr. Consistency though, 27 points as a freshman, 27 again, as a sophomore, 22 last year in what was, you know, fewer games because of the whole COVID situation. Uh, but you've blown past that already this year, 19 points in just 10 games. Uh, why do you think the big jump this year? It's tough to say. I think that, uh, I, you know, I'm still playing with the same two guys that I was playing with last year. And I think that we just, um, we all took a, another step here in the off season and came in ready to go right from the jump. And, um, we've, uh, we've added a, a couple of new guys to the team and, um, our power play has been, been rolling so far. So I think it's just a, a, you know, a collection of a bunch of different things that are all working out right now, but, um, but it's fun, you know, we're having fun. Who are the two guys that you've been playing with uh, for the last couple of years? Uh, so I got, uh, Tyler Weiss, who's a Colorado pick, um, on the left wing and Chase Primo, who is uh, also a senior uh, in the middle and we're, uh, we work pretty well together, so it's good. Well, yeah, you have a pretty old team, but like a veteran landing team, lots of seniors, lots of juniors, and that usually bodes well for a team, you know, getting into the national tournament and having success there too, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we can hope, but yeah. As a Canadian myself, and uh, you know, I, I have a lot of interest in college hockey. It's it, whenever I've had a chance to watch it, it looks like it's a, a, a lot of fun. And I had the chance to go down and watch a Frozen Four, and it's a blast. As a kid growing up in Kelowna, when did college hockey come onto your radar? I think it's always been on my radar. Um, um, my dad uh, actually played college hockey, so um, I grew up, you know, always knowing knowing about college hockey, and uh, and then when I kind of got to the age where it was time to sort of decide or, or make a choice of what path I wanted to go. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. So, um, I, I knew that major junior probably wasn't the route for me and I would need a, a few more years to develop. And, um, so I chose college and, uh, I think it was, uh, probably the best choice of my life, to be honest. Now, uh, father is Dixon Ward for those who, uh, don't know, uh, from just outside of, uh, the city where I'm at in, uh, Leduc, Alberta. Yep. Uh, now he went to, uh, North Dakota. Was there some, uh, did he put some pressure on you to, to uh, head that way as well? Or did he leave it completely up to you? No, no pressure at all. Um, he, uh, he really wanted to make sure that I felt comfortable, uh, wherever I chose, you know, to, to play college hockey and go to school. And, um, you know, if, if that was North Dakota, then it, he would have been happy. And, uh, it turned out it wasn't. I, I felt like I, um, you know, fit in at Omaha and I, I enjoyed the campus and the rink and everything that was going on here and, and he couldn't be happier. Um, so no pressure at all, but um, I definitely, you know, uh, used him as a resource to ask questions and, and what to look for and um, you know, to, to, to make my choice. So he was uh, very helpful, but no, no pressure to, to go to any in particular school. 
Well, I imagine uh, college hockey's changed a lot since uh, Dad was playing uh, at, in uh, Grand Forks. But uh, I'm curious, what what was it about the campus or the program, uh, the hockey structure at Omaha that just felt like the right fit for you that you wanted to be a part of? Uh, it's, it was funny, actually. When I was going through the recruiting process, I hadn't heard a whole bunch about Omaha, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being from the from the Canadian, you know, West Coast. Um, when I came down here and I checked it out and, and the campus is beautiful and the, and the rink, um, I don't know if you've ever been down here, but the rink is, is, you know, one of the top rinks in the country for sure. It's, it's beautiful. It's brand new. And, yeah. um, then when I was talking to the coaches and, and really getting to get to know, you know, how, how they like to play the game and how they think that the game should be played, um, it, it matched up with how I feel um, uh, and how I wanted to play the game as well. So uh, it was just a good fit um, uh, all the way around. And uh, when I got in and, and met all the guys, it was uh, it was the right choice for sure. I know uh, the NCAA last year, because of the COVID situation, they let a bunch of guys come back as uh, fifth-year uh, players, kind of like double seniors or something. Does that carry over? Will you be able to do that next year if you want to? Uh, yeah, so I do have that option. Everybody that was you know, playing or in school at the time of, of COVID, we all get an extra year. So, okay. yeah, I technically do get an extra year, um, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, now, I know at this point, usually a, a senior would be playing, obviously, for a pro contract uh, as well. Is that something that's on your mind much? Or because you have that extra year, does that take a little pressure off of this year? Um, I don't think I spent too much time thinking about it. Um, but, I mean, I'd also be lying if if you know all of our you know everybody that you know plays at this level i think our goal is to ultimately play at the highest level we can so mm-hmm. um yeah it's definitely something that's uh you know a goal or um way off in in the future there but it's not something i worry about day to day right now we're just worried about you know winning hockey games and winning a national championship and um i think that you know, if we if we do that, then everything else will take care of itself. Well, I would think a uh, six foot two forward. What are you like, two hundred and ten ish pounds, something like that? Happens to be leading college hockey in scoring and is a uh, a free agent. I would have to think there's some interest out there. Does that trickle down to you at all? Do you, does your advisor handle all of that stuff? Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's um, you know, there's, there's not much going on right now. It's still pretty early, so uh, we'll have to see on that front, but. Uh, again, not something that you know we're too worried about at this time. All right, fair enough. Uh, well, I don't know if at the start of the season you're a guy who sets like statistical goals for yourself, and you've been in the 20s uh, all three of your collegiate years in terms of uh, point totals. Are, are you a guy who says I have to be have more points than last year, or X number of goals, or anything like that? And and if so, have you already you know are you on pace to blow those numbers out? I wouldn't say I set you know, statistical goals, to be honest, um, like uh, certain numbers that I want to hit or anything like that. Um, we do, uh, we set more, you know, uh, day-to-day, week-to-week goals, and uh, but still not statistically, just what we want to get better at that week and um, what we want to, uh, you know, execute better or, or improve on. And um, again, with the help of my coaches and, and my teammates, that you know, we're, we're all on the same page and we know what, to work on every week and get better. And I think that just translates onto, onto the ice and, uh, during the weekends and obviously, um, can improve the stats as well, but no, it's a, I'm, I'm never going into a weekend, you know, saying I need to have X amount of points or do, you know, have, have certain statistics at the end of the weekend. I'm just try, trying to play my best and try my, try my hardest and, 
um, you know, help our team win. And um, if we have points, and that's a that's a cherry on top. But mostly, it's just about playing hard for my team and, and trying to get the win. Outstanding. Well, you've got points in every game so far this season, and hopefully you continue on that track uh, this weekend in a tough uh, test against uh, St. Cloud State. Uh, Taylor Ward, I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this season. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There's Taylor Ward, who is currently leading the NCAA in scoring, and I always like to highlight the Canadians, whether they're uh, on the ice or behind the bench. Uh, during this uh, campus report when we can i mean there'll be a lot of guys who are on the show as coaches or as players or media people who aren't canadian obviously but especially when they're succeeding like taylor ward is right now a senior six foot two forward and uh, putting up some big numbers now you could make the argument that omaha is having a lot of success right now because they haven't played some of the um, the top competition that are out there I'll, i'll tell you who they've beaten so far uh, I mean, they, they split with Lake Superior. They beat Maine, who has struggled. They beat Alaska, who they str- who has struggled. Both of those sweeps. And the Long Island Sharks. Then they split with Miami. So you can make the case that St. Cloud this weekend is really going to be the first tough test for Omaha. So we'll see how they do. Then the following weekend, to close out November, they got Alaska again. And then it's a bunch of NCHC competition. Colorado College, Western Michigan. They do play St. Lawrence non-conference games, and then uh, Denver, North Dakota, Duluth, Colorado College again for the next couple of months. So then they really are into the thick of the conference schedule. So we'll see. Is this smoke and mirrors uh, from Omaha right now, or are they legit? We'll get our first uh, good indication of that this weekend when they take on the number one ranked St. Cloud State Huskies. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Five guests on this week's show. That means it's cleanup time. Uh, if you haven't got your bidet from hellotushy.com slash pipeline, get out and do that right now. You can order it. Get it in time for Christmas. Your uh, significant other will greatly appreciate it. doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. Everybody loves a bidet. If you don't love a bidet, it's because you haven't tried a bidet. Take it from me. It's fantastic. It'll save you a lot of money in the long run because you're not having to buy nearly as much toilet paper. It's better for your wallet. It's better for the environment. There's no reason not to get a bidet. And if you go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline, you get an automatic 10% off right there. Next week on the Pipeline Show, we'll continue looking ahead to the 2022 NHL Draft. Uh, I had a guest lined up from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this week that fell through, so I will uh, seek to get him back on the show next week. I'm not going to jinx it by saying who it is, but a media guy that you've heard on the program many times before. We'll keep tabs on the rest of the CHL, the NAHL, the USHL, the NCAA, the CJHL, everything that you've come to know and expect from the Pipeline Show. We will do that as much as possible moving forward every week. Quick thank you to everyone who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Every interview of every episode, or 99.9% of every interview, depending how late in the week they happen, uh, but all of those are put up on the Patreon page first and exclusively available to patrons. Only costs a couple of bucks a month, and it's all done automatically and securely through PayPal and Patreon. Uh, I don't get to see any of those uh, credit card numbers or anything like that. And not only do you get early access, you get you get an early heads up of who's coming on the show as well. So if you want to submit questions for the guests, you can do that too. Anyway, it's been a long show, so let's wrap it up. Between now and next week, get out and watch some junior college hockey, if you can, so that you and I can talk about it next week, right here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Guy Flaming. See ya.